Hi, this is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to this Disney and Work podcast. The Global Attractions Index Report was recently released by the Themed Entertainment Association, TIA, and the Economics Practice at ACOM. We look at how Disney has fared in the last four years from 2018 to 2021. This includes both Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and we compare those numbers to how Universal is doing, both in California and Orlando. Of course, COVID played a big role in every park dropping attendance, but how are they faring as they come out the other side? And what is causing those gains and losses as they emerge? We'll look at all that and more as we study some troubling signs at Disney theme parks. Be sure to uh, check out DisneyAtWork.com. We've uh, got a large table that's going to indicate all the numbers that have been released over the last four years, as well as an outline of attractions since 1998 that have appeared in these parks, and also kind of an outline of uh, what are the contributors to attendance. So we're going to cover all of that and more in this podcast. And be sure while you are out there to subscribe to Disney at Work so you're notified of upcoming podcasts when they occur. Same thing with DisneyAtPlay.com. Check them both out and make sure you're subscribed to each. All right. So what I did is I wanted to put uh, two years of... of um, numbers before COVID. So you could see kind of how things were going in a steady in a steady way because they were both 2018 and 2019. There was growth in 19 compared to 18, but it was it was still very steady and every park was pretty much consistently in the same order. Then we have this massive drop in 2020. And then 21, you start to see everybody trying to go back into business. Obviously, it'd be nice to have the 22 numbers. That won't be available until sometime this, uh, sometime next year at, a, at about this time. Um, I'm going to go through the park numbers in order of their attendance, both the Florida and California numbers. Now, they don't include the numbers that are given for international parks and for a number of other parks. I'm just choosing to study these two sets of domestic parks to see what impact they um, have experienced over the last uh, four years. In 2018 and 2019, the clear dominant winner of attendance, in fact, the most attended park in the world was Magic Kingdom. It was um, closing in on 21 million um, to 20 million 859 one year and then 20 million 963. So it was really close to reaching the 20 million mark. And not too far behind it was Disneyland, which had in both years about 18 million 666,000. These two parks dominated anything and everything uh, that else we're going to talk about. The Tokyo Disney parks also did some numbers just a little south of Disneyland. But when we get to the domestic parks, there is a big jump from Magic Kingdom and Disneyland at 18 and 20 million to what is the next one, which was Disney's Animal Kingdom at number 
three. This was a little south of 14 million or 13 million 888,000 by the end of 2019. Epcot had always traditionally been ahead of Disney's Animal Kingdom. So these numbers actually were an anomaly with, um, with what had traditionally gone on for the last previous two decades. Epcot usually had about 14 million, but um, it had dropped way back, largely because it was already underway with the construction effort. And most importantly, because Disney's Animal Kingdom had emerged um, the previous year with previous to 2018 with the whole Pandora world of Avatar. And that has had a strong impact on its attendance. Well, at least it did in 2018 and 2019. After Epcot, which sits around the 12 million, 12 and a half million number, we have Disney's Hollywood Studios, which honestly has also prior to the pandemic was was doing better attendance-wise than Disney's Animal Kingdom. So we clearly see that in 18 and 19, Disney's Animal Kingdom with Pandora did whopping good numbers. It also helped that they started during those years to open up into the evening to offer an, a nighttime offering and, uh, and that that was also playing a role as well. Studios came in at about 11 million uh, 258,000 or 11,483,000 in 2019. This 2019, you'll recall, was the year Star Wars Galaxy's Edge started to emerge. Now, they didn't get the um, original land and Millennium Falcon attraction until the end of August. And Rise didn't happen until December. So they really didn't get too much of the benefit during that time. Um, from those attractions. Um, but surprisingly, going back to Disneyland, which got their Galaxy's Edge in, in May of 2019, and um, Rise actually came in 2020 for them, but, but they did get Galaxy's Edge and Millennium Falcon, and their attendance didn't change between 2018 and 2019 meaning that really there was not that much impact made because of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So in 2019, number one was Magic Kingdom, number two was Disneyland, number three was Disney's Animal Kingdom, number four was Epcot, and number five was Disney's Hollywood Studios. All of them dominated that top tier. It's where we come after that, that things get really interesting. At about a little under 11 million, Universal Studios Florida uh, had its attendance in 2019. It was um, comparable to um, the other two, other few that followed behind it. Disney California Adventure had 9,861,000. Now, that seems like a low number for a Disney park, but remember that only a few years ago, they had added Radiator Springs Racers and the Pixar Pier and the whole uh, Buena Vista Avenue coming into the park. They had done a major remodel, which took them from a four and a half, five and a half million number to 
to nearly 10 million at this point. So they were in a very good place. Um, Islands of Adventure was under 10 million in 2018, but it was over 10 million in 2019. And then Universal Studios Hollywood, which is a standalone park. If you're not familiar with Universal Studios, actually it's it's an old, well, I mean the park, they've been doing tours for years and years and years. And, um, and it sits up in the Hollywood area as opposed to the Anaheim area down below. It, it's about a good hour's drive with good traffic, maybe even a little bit more. Um, in Los Angeles, they were at about 9 million. In fact, they were 9,147,000 and they were number nine for 2018-2019 for purposes of this comparison. What makes this really interesting is that these bottom tiers do a very interesting flip because in 2020, I mean, mind you, 2020, everything plummets. I mean, Universal... Uh, Studios Hollywood had barely more than a million people attend in 2020. Disney California Adventure was under 2 million in 2020, largely because it was closed much of the time. However, then we get to 2021 and things get very interesting because the numbers are still down. Parks are still trying to open. In fact, for much of the first half of the year, Disneyland didn't even open. But um, but Magic Kingdom, Magic Kingdom was still number one, and it was number one at twelve million compared to the twenty near twenty one million number. It was now over twelve and a half million at number one. Clearly, Magic Kingdom it doesn't. And by the way, other than um, the October first anniversary kickoff which did help numbers, especially around the October 1st uh, timeframe. Um, they really did not add anything during all these years and has maintained a, a number one position. Um, and Disneyland maintained a strong position in 21 at eight and a half million, which does suggest because what happened is that Rise of the Resistance barely opened when Disneyland closed. So very few people saw it until it started to reopen. And then and then I think that contributed to its its op, uh its its numbers in 2021 at being at eight and a half million. What's really interesting is that Disney's Animal Kingdom, which was number third in 2019, now drops and Islands of Adventure is now 9 million strong, even um, stronger than Disneyland's numbers. In fact, it becomes the number two park on this list. And Universal Studios Florida becomes the number three uh, park. So in other words, we now go from Magic Kingdom to Islands of Adventure to Universal Studios Florida and then to Disneyland. So while Disneyland did good makeup attendance, it didn't do what Universal and Islands of Adventure managed to do. And so the attendance now, and that attendance for Islands was at number two was 9 million. So it's about three, almost about, uh, 
three and a half million less than the Magic Kingdom. Universal, it's just a little under the Islands of Adventure. Um, and then uh, Disneyland is a little less than that. Then we drop to Disney's Animal Kingdom and then to Epcot and then to Disney's Hollywood Studios and then to Disney California Adventure and actually, I'm sorry, I have this wrong. Then to Dis Universal Studios Hollywood and then to Disney California Adventure. That's concerning. That's a big flag on Disney California Adventure because in 2021, halfway through the year, it had the opportunity to premiere Adventures Campus. And yet Universal Studios Hollywood, which, and I have a list of attractions that opened. Universal Studios Hollywood did this thing where they took Jurassic, um, Jurassic Park, the ride, which is that flume ride, and they turned it around and made a Jurassic World the ride, just simply revamping the ride. Um, they also, That was back in 19, though. The only thing they did in 21 was add The Secret Life of Pets off the leash, which was seems to be a really cute um, dark ride, but it's not a big, a big winner. I guess where we're going with this is, is the flip of Universal... Studios Florida and Islands of Adventure taking over not just Disney's Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and Epcot. They took over Disneyland in terms of their attendance. That's that's a major um th that is nearly unbelievable that they did those kinds of numbers. So you're kind of scratching your head and saying, okay, they're doing something in Florida. Um, with Universal Studios. Now, mind you, Universal Studios um, or Hollywood still isn't that great either, but they have done something significant in Universal Studios Orlando and Universe and uh, Islands of Adventure, something that needs to be considered. So let's go through the contributors of what um, to these attendance declines and what has happened during this time period. How is it that we managed to get to this kind of, you know, these kind of numbers? I, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind, the, the, the reality of it is, is COVID. Um, park closures were significant, particularly in 21 at places like Disneyland. The state of California was very reluctant to reopen um, theme parks. And so it took a hit, as did Universal um, studios Hollywood and um, and also um, Disney California Adventure they they took a big hit from park closures with that I think there has been some social and spatial anxiety um, with returning to the parks and getting back in there as soon as possible I think that played a factor in all parks that we're talking about here on this list and even more um important i think it's a little thing but universal dropped its mask requirements in february of 2022 it was april 2022 before disney dropped its mask requirements i think that plays a role and by the way i think as i recall well i know because i was um and and by the way that's just 
that's just um, that's just uh, um, months ago that these mass requirements were dropped. So so it's I think those issues have played to the overall attendance decline, definitely with COVID. With that, I think group business is down. And I think that's where you get, I mean, you could take a million or two million off of some of these numbers just because your convention, your trade shows were down in 21. Uh, ideas of having your, your kids go on school trips and, you know, they do major athletic events, major, um, you remember even the, um, even the, um, the races at Disneyland have not yet returned. Um, the, uh, um, what do you call it when you're running um, marathons? Sorry, I don't know why I'm forgetting all that. But these kinds of events are all, have all gone down sizably. Um, and even little things like weddings and, um, and family gatherings and things of that nature, those are all down in terms. And so they have contributed to attendance declines. But these two things, these two things, COVID and group business down, they've largely affected all of the parks. Maybe a little bit more on group business to Disneyland because they they do a lot of convention traffic in their resort hotels and that spills over into the parks. But by and large, this is those are issues that affected both um, Universal and Disney. Then you get into what I think are disappointing offerings. First off, a delay in return of offerings since COVID. Um, the example, they just announced the return of the parade next year at Disneyland. So they have gone this whole time and the, and the, and the other parade, the Main Street Electrical Parade and Fantasmic and their fireworks just returned this year. So all those things were out the door in 2021. Um, and I think those things kind of impacted. Even at Walt Disney World, Enchanted Tales hasn't come back. And Fantasmic is just now coming back on, is it November 2nd or 3rd? In just another week or so. So those things do impact. And in particular, those kinds of nighttime offerings impact the interest of guests to park hop. And mind you, when you park hop, now these numbers, by the way, they come from TIA. Disney isn't giving their numbers and neither is really universal. These are estimates made by a professional organization that really focuses and studies on this. And so I couldn't tell you whether or not these numbers are perfectly accurate, but I do believe these numbers in their rankings are accurate and that, and that Magic Kingdom is number one and that um, and that Disney California Adventure is at the bottom of this list at number nine. So I, I do think that that is the case in this. Um, but let me just say, and this is an important point that I'm going to play out in this podcast. I don't think that with the lack of nighttime offerings, particularly at the studios and the removal of um, the nighttime offerings at Disney's Animal Kingdom, that it is as appealing to have a park hopper. And with that park hopper not being of such appeal, that means you're only getting one tick for a park. If you, if you are jumping over to go to two parks or to a second park, 
then that means two parks get the tick for that day, and that increases the number of um, guests attending uh, those parks, even though they may only come for a couple of hours to it. So things like this, Enchanted Tales of Magic, they're the things that the delays in offerings, I think, really impacted 2021 attendance um, at large. I'm not sold on the idea that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge made a difference. Um, I think Disneyland expected a big jump in attendance. But according to these numbers, it didn't even jump from 2018 to 2019 in a significant way, even though they opened Galaxy's Edge. At the, in fact, as I recall, going back to 2019, a lot of people were fearful that the attendance would be too high and that kept them from going out to Disneyland. And I don't see that it made that big uh, a difference for Disney's Hollywood Studios. That should have really shaken the rafters in the same way, and certainly not in the way that Pandora. Pandora has been imp has really impacted Disney's Animal Kingdom. It is not, it, it, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has not made that kind of dramatic impact on Disney's Hollywood studios. So I think that at least you, you don't see from the numbers uh, a situation where you could make that case. Another disappointing offering, I truly believe, is Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Yes, Magic Kingdom was number one, and um, it would have been number, it was number one without Tron being brought on. But I think that the advent of attractions from Epcot being delayed and Tron being delayed, these kinds of things have impacted Walt Disney World's um, attendance. People just haven't been that inspired by the 50th anniversary to come. And that's disappointing. I remember being with George Calagritas, who was the head of all Walt Disney World attractions, and talking to him in the airport one time and talking about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge coming in. And yeah, he acknowledged that he thought that the attendance would really spike with Star Wars, which didn't seemingly. But he was very concerned. This was a conversation about four or five years ago. He was very concerned about how attendance would be beyond anything ever before for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. And I'm just not feeling that. Now, mind you, we don't get the full impact of the 50th anniversary until we get 2022's numbers, which are next year. But all that said and done, I'm just not, I'm just not reading tea leaves to say this is making a difference. The same thing could be said, honestly, with Disney California Adventure and with Avengers Campus. I think it's a great offering and it's a total offering if you've never done Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which was already which already came into play um, before um, COVID. But you're looking at this now and you're going, okay, they had the better part of the year for Avengers Campus and they didn't even make the 5 million mark. In fact, Universal Studios Hollywood had a better attendance than Disney California Adventure with a major land added to. So I, that's a big, that's a big uh, flag in my mind. And Disney's Animal Kingdom, it also fell behind Islands and Universal Studios Florida. Kite Tales isn't going to do anything for you. And there was nothing else added. 
Mind you, it still became a higher attended park than, well, actually, no, that's not true. Actually, in 21, Studios and Epcot jumped in attendance over Disney's Animal Kingdom because it did not have anything major in offering. So it um, it did better because uh, studios did better because of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but it, again, all these have fallen way behind. Um, uh, Universal Florida, Orlando. Now let me talk about the labor market and let me share an experience that I had yesterday. We I joined David Zanola and we did lunch over at Epcot. And we came into the park and the park looked very busy at the front. There was a 40 minute line for Spaceship Earth, the standby line. We also came by Mission Space. There was a 40 minute standby line at Mission Space. Um, and I think it was an hour and a half or more over at Test Track nearby. And when we came over to Mexico and it was about now about noontime and there was a big crowd lined up to go outside the pyramid to go inside Mexico to go on the boat right there. And it you would you would be left with the impression, wow, things are really busy here at Epcot. We went toward the back of the park to Italy. Via Napoli, neither of us had done in a while. We thought it would be a great opportunity to do that. We were able to pretty much do a walk-in um, at the podium, waited no more than 10 minutes to get in. And when we sat down, by the time it had gone from, it opened at 1130, um, by the time it was noon, there was still 60% of the restaurant empty with tables not filled. By the time we left, I would say, that 60% of the tables were filled, but 40% were still left empty, and that was at about a quarter to one. I Now, you couldn't get a reservation. If you'd gone that morning to make a reservation at Via Napoli, you wouldn't have gotten one. And yet there were all these empty tables in the restaurant. Even more interesting is that Tutto Italia next door was closed wasn't even opening that and the the bar um, kind of uh, tavern adjacent to it um, both of those were not opening until three o'clock in the afternoon and I know for sure that before this closure Tudo Italia was open for lunch I got on a boat to return to leave the park and I noticed as the boat was sailing past the UK, most of the tables outside of the Rosen Crown. Beautiful day to be out and enjoying the weather. Those tables were empty. Only one was filled, as I recall, out of the ten, eight or ten that I saw. So at times, people are taking pictures. And this is 2022. We're not even talking 2021 where some of these restaurants weren't even open back then. But I think there's a couple of things playing. First off, in World Showcase, the international program, there were maybe two Italians in Via Napoli. There were not a lot 
there was there was not a return of international program um, participants. Some have started having more. Some have taken locals who have who are from those countries and employed them, but by and large, uh, the that is that is a big impact. There are shortages in food and beverage as a whole. There always was, but massive shortages in food and beverage as a whole. Housekeeping and more, I think that has reduced the number of rooms sold. Now, mind you, I think they've taken the advantage of that and increased the price, and I'll talk about that in a second. But I think that um, I think labor shortages still play a role and certainly played a role in 2021. Now, here's where I think um, things get really um, challenging is that I think that if I think probably, well, let me, let me jump around a little. Uh, no, I won't jump around a little. What I, what I want to talk about is some frustrating processes. First off, resort availability. There are rooms available, but maybe because there aren't enough housekeepers, maybe because they want to keep the price up. I'm not sure, but the resort availability is low. And so it's, one of the reasons why people aren't coming back is they can't get a room on Disney property and they want to stay on Disney property. And if they're not staying on Disney property, they're not going to go and spend as much time at Disney resort hotels. So that brings down your numbers. Second, the availability of an annual pass. Now that's just in the Orlando area, but it's especially true at Disneyland. Those really increase the numbers. Mind you, that's not numbers they want to increase. So when you see that the numbers are way down and that Disneyland, which was always number two to Magic Kingdom, is now number four to Islands of Adventure Universal Studios, I will tell you it is largely because the annual passes have been tremendously limited to the local area. Are they making more money? Are they making money and making more money perhaps? Yes, but that is why that number is low. The simple idea of having to make a reservation at Walt Disney World or Disneyland as opposed to Universal Studios where you can pretty well show up, that too has become a frustrating process. It's helped Disney to better leverage its labor, its limited labor perhaps, but at the end of the day, um, it's just another step because you have, to, you have to have a My Disney um uh, my Disney Magic account, or whatever we call that, to actually make that reservation. So there's now all these processes that I have to go through in order to attend the park. Complimentary airport transportation. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment as a cost issue. But the biggest thing I think is, uh, one of the biggest things I think is a frustrating process is that Disney still has a requirement that park hopping, while available, isn't available until after two o'clock. I think that is, I think that's a problem. And I think that's what's impacted those numbers that you're seeing up there. I think because guests can't park hop until two, they're less reticent about taking advantage of the park hopper feature. Not that I think park hopping is a good idea at Walt Disney World. I've said for many, many, many years, you're wasting your time park hopping. But many guests, particularly those who come in and they only have 
a day or two because they're doing a convention. You see where this is coming. They're, they're not park hopping. And park hopping means more parks counted in the day. And when they're not counted in the day, then you have a decrease on those attendance ledgers. Let's talk about cost. Complementary airport transportation, that is an issue that, again, is just impacting people in little ways, making deciding whether they're maybe going to do three parks at Disney as opposed to four parks. Increased hotel costs at Disney property, we just mentioned that a minute ago, and the limited availability, um, that too is impacting whether people stay at Disney. If they're not staying on Disney property, they are less likely to go to or spend as many days at least at Disney parks. Now, when you go and you and you go to the pricing sheet or the the website for Universal Florida Orlando and for Walt Disney World, you will see they will both say prices starting from 109. I don't know where that 109 day is. I can tell you this. I went and looked at the Universal Orlando prices, and I just chose November 1st, which is a random day, a week from now, and I chose December 25th, which should be a very expensive day. On November 1st, that ticket, a one-day ticket is $139. On December 25th, that one-day ticket is $159. Let's look at what a Disney one-day ticket looks like. On November 1st, that ticket will be $140, only a dollar difference. On December 25th, it will be $159 for that one-day ticket. And that's the same price as the Universal Orlando one. Although, here's the trick, there's no Magic Kingdom availability right now. And there probably won't be for some of the other parks as well by the time we get to the 25th. So if your idea of spending Christmas Day at the Magic Kingdom, it's gone. That's not available to you. That's impacting people's ability to attend. Now, where I think it gets interesting is that, and I see this play out all the time. My brother-in-law was in town. What's your itinerary? Well, we're going to spend one day in each of the four Disney parks, and then we're going to go to Universal to do Harry Potter. So we're going to get the, the one-day two-park pass. That pass is $164. Which, honestly, is a pretty good is a pretty good price compared to the hundred and thirty nine dollar ticket you would buy on November first. One hundred and sixty four dollars to get just simply into both parks. That seems, and you love Harry Potter, and you want to do Harry Potter in both parks. You want to take the train between both parks. Well, by all means, you're going to take advantage of a two park ticket. Well, what does that do? Because you've jumped, now attendance has shown an increase in spike. So really, I think the number one reason why Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios Florida has jumped dramatically is because it's so affordable to get the one-day two-park pass and to go do um, to go do both parks which are going to both get tickets or both get noticed and that is going to move their attendance numbers above and beyond Disney's. The Disney one day park hopper is a $205 ticket 
And that's just for the park, or well, actually, no, that's not true. If I bought a Disney one day and I bought a park hopper, the equivalent of a universal, it would cost me $205. That's $40 more than buying the, now, mind you, I get four parks for that. And mind you, I just buy that once and I get to use that over as many days as I stay on property. So it could be a really great value if you're staying four, five, six, seven days at Walt Disney World. You really want to take advantage of that park hopper, I suppose. I don't think most people are doing that. I think most people are doing exactly what I hear them, like my brother-in-law. They're doing one day in each of the Disney parks. If they have to cut one day, they'll cut one park. So it might be three days, three parks at Disney. But then they go to Universal and they do two parks for in one day at the $164 amount. And that's what has created this shift in attendance, at least for 21. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar in number when we get to 2022. I will say, I think Epcot's number, because Guardians of the Galaxy premiered pretty early in the year, I think you will see a dramatic increase in Epcot attendance. And so stand by, because I think I think Epcot will come back alive, especially with other things added, uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and other things that have been added recently. I think the total package at Epcot is has dramatically improved um, connections, um, cafe, those kinds of offerings all have contributed to the Epcot experience. But it, but mind you, um, Universal, well, particularly Islands of Adventure added Jurassic, um, uh, added a Velocicoaster as well as Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure back in 2019. And oh, by the way, it's starting to build not starting to build. It is well underway. Another theme park at Universal. So 22 numbers are going to be interesting as well. But we're already seeing major shifts. If I were to suggest one thing, well, a couple of things to Disney. One is you need to get major attractions out there and get them in the eye. You need to finish Epcot. And you need to keep adding on to places like Disney's Animal Kingdom and the studios. Secondly, you got to make it easier for people to do business with you. The reservation system, the park hopping requirement of two o'clock, the availability of annual passes, all these things are impacting your attendance and keeping you from really having the kind of numbers. Now, mind you, Disney has changed course. It's not about the numbers. It's now about the revenue. And if they can do greater revenue with lesser numbers, they're just fine with that. So, and mind you, with Tron coming on, Magic Kingdom will still always, always, always be in the number one position. It will for some time to come because of that attraction. But uh, I would suggest that Disney needs to have an aggressive and of course the executives had a retreat out here at Walt Disney World. I don't think they had that kind of retreat here in Orlando for the simple reason of walking around the parks and saying, see, it all looks good. We don't need to add anything else. 
I think there's a case for more things being added. I think that's a good thing. I do also think they need to rethink this park hopping issue and the reservation issue. I don't know that the reservation will go away. I do think the annual pass availability needs to be needs to be changed and more people need to be able to add to their annual pass. At any rate, those are my thoughts, ideas around that. Of course, there is still an annual pass available for Florida residents. It's the bottom tier, but as a Florida resident, you can still get an annual pass. It's just now they have blocked out all your DVC out-of-staters and all those people who want an annual pass outside of the Florida the larger Florida market. And mind you, they're making more money on those folks. That's the intent. So that's, I don't think that's going to change, but I do think they could increase the number of annual passes to Florida residents. We'll see. More to come. And of course, a lawsuit, I don't know that's going to help anything for fixing the annual pass situation, but more to come. All right, that does it for this Disney at Work podcast. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks for being a listener with our podcast. Make sure if you get a chance to go out to iTunes or your podcast deliverer and put in a positive rating or review if at all possible, that would be great. We think we provide some really great insights you can only get here. So please, please do so. And if you get a chance, check out our Patreon group um, which is the Wayfinder Society. I had a chance to meet up with our first Patreon um, family that first joined up um, uh, when I first uh, started the Patreon group. And it was great seeing them this last week uh, with their uh, little girls. They were over at, um, um, over at uh, the Magic Kingdom heading toward the Halloween party. And it was great to, to see them and... Uh, Appreciate them and appreciate all of those who have joined uh, our Patreon group at the Wayfinder Society. Again, thanks for being with us. In the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.